This is Soul Saturations, the podcast, a transformational container to activate the light within you. I'm Kendall Merritt, your host and the founder of Soul Saturations. We are here to deeply connect with soul-centered sensuality and sexuality in relationships, business, and life so you can access your power and remember your true presence. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Soul Saturations, the podcast. We have another beautiful guest joining us today. And before we get started and introduce you to our guest today, I want to invite you to join me in a little bit of honoring the woo and setting the mood as we always like to do. So take a few moments and close your eyes, come into a comfortable position and just start to breathe and notice your breath moving through your body. As you take a few deep breaths, just notice how the air is moving in through your lungs and out through your mouth and just bring awareness to the present space. Notice the energy flowing through you and around you. And as you start to deepen your breath, think about bringing your breath all the way past your lungs, past your belly, all the way down into your sex center and feel your pelvic floor expand on your inhales and on your exhales, lift that energy up the back of your spine. So breathe deeply here and just come into a space of gratitude for being here, right here, right now. At this time, we want to call on our guides, our team, our angels, and our ancestors of the highest and greatest good at this time. And we're going to ask that they cleanse, clear, and release any energy that is not of the highest, that is not of our making, and is contrary to what we are creating for ourselves and others across all time and space, reality, and dimension, and lovingly return back to source. We ask that we call our energy back to us so that we can stand in our purpose and our presence. We ask that we can root our life in the foundation of pleasure, knowing that it is our divine birthright to experience in all areas of our life. And we ask to be of the highest and greatest good so that we can anchor radical truth, love, and compassion on the planet at this time. And we do this with so much love and so much gratitude. And so it is. When you feel ready, I'm going to open your eyes and come back into this space. (sighs) Okay, welcome. Today, I am so excited to introduce to you Miss Alejandra Welsh. She is the founder of The Fifth House, and I have just gotten the pleasure to get to know her through our friends over at Skirt Club. So we'll dive into all the things. So I just want to start off with a big welcome. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Kendall. And that was such a nice meditation. Mm. Really great to make me feel present. Love it. It's a great way to drop in. And that's definitely something that we need to do to be able to experience pleasure in all the ways. So tell us a little bit about you and what is your big mission on the planet and how you shine your light. Yeah. So should we start from the very beginning? Oh yeah. Let's go. We're going to go everywhere. (laughs) 
this is going to be like a deep for the therapy session, but I'm so excited <laughs> for it. <laughs> um, well, I am half British, half Venezuelan. That's my background. So each of my parents is born, and I was brought up all over the world, um, from Asia to South America, Australia, Middle East. Like I've literally lived everywhere, Europe, um, and. I'm not sure if you've, uh, if I've told you this before, but everywhere that I was growing up, I was really um, getting like immersed in all of the cultures because you just do as a child. Um, your schools are international, so you meet people from all walks of life. And no matter what culture or religion that there was in that country, um, one thing that I noticed was that everyone was really having a hard time talking about sex and sex mm. was a taboo and there was so much female oppression no one no matter what country you're in it was very male dominated you can imagine in latin america in southeast asia in um middle east and even in europe to some extent well anywhere really and then so many of my experiences were, were shaped on this and i realized um how much it was affecting my psyche to to almost have my sexuality controlled by other people particularly men I didn't really have a say in my own sexuality slut shaming was such a common thing especially in school and I think 90% if not 100% of girls go through this um, at some point in their life and it's just it's just crazy that that it's just the norm you know Mm. what an what an incredible way to grow up and you know to really look at those different perspectives of feeling like your sexuality was controlled. What did that look like for you when you were growing up of feeling like your sexuality was controlled? Do you have an example? Cause I know there's lots of different things I'm sure you've experienced. Yeah. I mean, anything from like being 13 years old and wearing my uniform was a skirt and then getting wolf whistled or whispered or um, going to the gynecologist and having un- awkwardly uncomfortable checkups uh, which I don't think is very unusual in fact and um, yeah also maybe dating a boy in your class and then all of a sudden you know you get called to slut because you're dating someone but you know if you if you're not dating someone then you're the prude and it's just the constant cycle of of you know back and forth and just never getting it right really um, and especially growing up in in the Middle East, I think that was that was very prominent there. Mm. You have to be very careful about um, what you wore, um, holding hands in public. At that time, it's not not so much anymore, but at that time was was even a big no no. Um, so yeah, I, it was very prevalent in the culture that that I was growing up in. Yeah, so those different experiences will absolutely shape your psyche and your perspectives of how you view life and how you think about things. And so, you know, I think when we look at our sexuality, it's so deeply tied with our self-worth, our self-confidence, how we show up and present ourselves in the world. So growing up with all those different perspectives and really seeing it from around the world, how do you think that impacted the way that you like really owned your own presence growing up and into adulthood? Well, and like another great side about living in so many different countries and experiencing so many cultures is that you grow up so fast and you're, you become so open to everything because everything around you is constantly changing. Everything is so unfamiliar. So you're constantly adapting, adapting, adapting. Um, 
and it really makes you grow up because you can't afford to be close-minded or single-minded um and also having two pretty liberal parents they were always like the north star the grounding for me so I could always I always knew that if I wasn't feeling self-worth then or if I wasn't feeling confident enough which by the way everyone goes through when they're teenagers of course (laughs) um then they were always there to to boost me up which was great Wow. That's amazing. And I think you probably, that was a really important thing in your life is to have that tight family unit unit as you were traveling the world and living in all these different places. I'm sure that having the sense of constant energy to come back to and feel safe in was really important. Yeah, that was, that was the one constant. Although I have to say it, I, I did kind of run away from home at 16, but <laughs> and what 16 year old doesn't really run away. <laughs> What country did you run away in? I was in Scotland at the time, so it wasn't too dramatic. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I ran away at sixteen too, and I was very, mm-hmm, I was sixteen, and I left my house, and I wrote my mom a note, and I said, "Okay, something's got to change in our life for for me to be here and be confident." She was in a really unhealthy and abusive relationship at the time. And I was not having it. And I was like, you get to make a choice. Do you want to be with me or do you want to be with him? And I'm not going to tell you where I am until you make a decision. So wow, it was that is a big decision to make at 16. Yeah. And I don't even think it landed in my brain, like how intense it was to me. I was just like, I'm just being dramatic. Like I just have to do something, but it's been interesting to see how that response has shifted, how, how I show up and like really anchoring in knowing self-worth and self-value and being loved and all those things. So yeah. And how did that pan out? Um, my mom ended up leaving um, the relationship that she was in and we were able to get our own place and and just kind of start over and start fresh. And it was a great foundation for us to build our relationship together. And then we were able to really um, kind of restart our relationship from ground zero so that we could build that foundation of trust overall. Yeah. And especially knowing that you actually got heard when you were kind of crying out for help, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So what was your cry for help at, or at least at 16, running around the countryside in Scotland? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was, um, I also kind of had quite a tough relationship with my mom. Mm. Um, Gosh, I never actually talk about this, but um, yeah, I had a, a tough relationship with my mom Back back then, I think our excuse was, oh, well, she was menopausal and I was hormonal because I was a teen and she was going through menopause and and it was just like one big crash. But um, yeah, it was definitely more deep rooted than that. And we just we moved around so much. We were we ended up going to Scotland, which is one place after living in hot, sunny, tropical countries um, or in a yeah, warm desert. And coming to cold, rainy, gray Scotland was just a real kick in the teeth. So I think that unhappiness plus living in a, in a household that was like a little bit chaotic because obviously having to move school again, having to move house, not knowing where we were, really disliking where we were. So, but you know what, it is one of the best decisions I've made because I ended up um, 
I ended up moving to the Netherlands after that and and many other places. So, you know, mm-hmm. everyone says everything happens for a reason. I know it sounds super cheesy, but, but I, sometimes, I, sometimes it really does count, you know? Yeah. And I think those decisions shape us and, and to be able to live in an experience where it is quite chaotic. It's also recognizing, I think, when we're 16, we feel like we're the only ones going through that, but to really just honor the fact that everybody has their own journey and so many people are living in chaos in in their own ways. And to be able to start to normalize the conversation, just like we do for sexuality is so important of like, it's okay to feel like you're living in chaos. And, you know, the the decisions that you make will have consequences and actually like energetic ripple effects about those choices that we make, but they also are exactly perfect for us. So yes, I totally believe that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, those choices that we were meant to make are the things that shape us into who we are. So as you said, like you moved to the Netherlands and had these other experiences. So how did your journey evolve from there into where you are now? Um, Well, on a I guess on a more personal level, it, it was definitely beneficial for me and my mom's relationship because, you know, getting on top of each other, uh, sometimes the solution is to remove yourself from the same situation and it will better the, better your relationship. Um, and and now, it's, now it's really great. And then from there, um, gosh, that uh, must have been 18 then. And I went to go to university in the Netherlands um had the best time did the worst at school had to drop out <laughs> I'm like a runaway dropout gosh I haven't even spoken about this <laughs> okay it makes you who you are we love that <laughs> yeah um but it's so difficult at 18 to, to to choose what you're gonna do for the rest of your life to even know what your hobbies or interests are and if they're even gonna stay like that which most likely they're not because we all evolve and especially at that age, we're constantly evolving. So um, I then moved to London um, and did all sorts of stuff. I, I then worked in fashion. I was as a model for about four or five years in London and kind of around the world, um, which coincidentally I was terrible at and I totally hated because I hate being in front of a camera. Ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it was easy bread and butter. So... I just did it Mm -hmm. but always having this longing of like there's definitely more to life than standing in front of a camera and I know there is but I don't know what it is um and honestly it was like having a quarter life crisis just feeling so unfulfilled when people asked me what I did as a job I was so embarrassed I was like change career I'd change what I'd tell them I'd say I was a photographer or that you know I worked in advertising or anything but saying that I was a model like I was just that's how ashamed of it of it I was um and and yeah after that I moved to Barcelona it was really honestly a long time struggling what I wanted to do and feeling really empty about it um and feeling really frustrated with myself seeing people around me or at least thinking that people around me were getting it and winning and excelling at life and knowing what they were, their path was on. But looking back, like, no one really knew what they were doing. Yeah, were still nobody knows what they're doing. Yeah. 
we're all figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so then at 27, yeah, 27 or 28, I decided, you know, what, I'm going to go back to uni and I'm going to study psychology. I was getting very much into Esperel and um, a lot of relationship and um, and sex therapy stuff like that. So um, I'm going to have to thank Esther for this one. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. She, yeah, this was um, um, after reading her books and stuff, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to start studying again at the age of 28, go back to university um and I started studying psychology um and from there I I mean I always knew that I had a deep intense affirmation with sex anything to do with sexual wellness and and do you know what also the me too movement helped a lot it really gave me a voice to stand up because before I kind of cowered away and I you know let things slide and slip which honestly weren't that okay and then as soon as me too happened um that's when I noticed like oh I really do have a voice and people will listen because there's other women standing up saying the same thing really yeah yeah what a powerful movement and what a powerful like global almost permission slip for women to speak and own their voice of like this this isn't okay and these experiences happen more often than people would think and to be able to find that value in your voice and the courage to speak up and um, to know that it is an important topic and I think it takes a lot of courage especially for you to say where am I where do I want to go like how do I want to actually make an impact in this life and I think you know, that desire to be aligned with a greater purpose just shows your soul's evolution and being able to follow that calling does take courage. So yes, thank you, Esther. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, she's an incredible, incredible woman and brilliant in the information that she shares. And to be able to have the courage to go back to uni at 28 is that does take a lot of courage because everybody else around you is 10 years younger than you. And um and everyone my age is already halfway through a career yeah and so Um, it just like shifted your your impact which is beautiful yeah I'm I'm really grateful that I I'm it was I know actually it was my mom's idea she pushed me to do that so another thing I'm grateful for so Mm -hmm. yeah after that um I started at a program at IC Institute of Sexuality and Enlightenment Enlightenment I'm not sure if you've heard of it but it's based in the U.S. Um, for anyone that is interested in becoming a sex educator or sex therapist their course is amazing and it's so Mm. thorough and really covers everything Um, so yeah I started doing that I'm I'm still doing it and um, from there I just really really put myself out there and affirmations I guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) just telling yourself every day this is what I am this is what I do this is who I am and you know this is the message that I want to put out there Um, because I really do feel like sexuality and sexual pleasure is is like a birthright it's everyone's right and we should all be able to enjoy it and Mm -hmm. and not feel shame around it which so many of us so many of us do I was talking about this yesterday and at a dinner party and um and someone asked me, um, oh, so what do, what do women mostly come to you about? And I said, usually pleasure, issues with pleasure or um, understanding their own pleasure, accepting their own pleasure. And 
I was only 23 when I first had an orgasm. Yeah. That's like, if you think about all the years you were having sex, I'm sure like probably there was a lot of sex and pleasure, pleasurable experiences where you weren't experiencing orgasm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I, and up until a couple of years ago, I couldn't even orgasm myself from masturbating, which just goes to show how much maybe resentment I had within myself or disconnect to my sexuality that I couldn't, that I could, um, someone else could eventually make me orgasm, but I couldn't even do it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. And those are, I think, so common in most, a lot of people, it doesn't matter like man or woman or however you identify, like that disconnection from pleasure is huge for a lot of people in terms of things that they have to overcome in their life. And Um, it is still a kind of a taboo topic. I think, you know, I love the dinner party setting when people are like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a sex and relationship coach. And they're like, what? Like, do you come in a bedroom? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, so do you like come into the bedroom and tell me to have better sex? And I'm like, well, I could, but that's probably not exactly where we need to start. Um, I'm like, I'm like, I'd be happy to give you some pointers, but that's not the root of the work that we do. So, um, but it's always so interesting to see kind of like the, the lean back or the lean in of how people respond to that and being able to just create conversation. I always say sex is something that we should always talk about at the dinner table. And some people don't agree with that. And the more that we can show up and do that work, the more we can start to normalize these conversations and make people understand it's similar to the me too movement is like to let people know that it's okay to experience pleasure. And if you're not experiencing pleasure, if you're having difficulty orgasming, or if you don't feel connected to your own body and your own pleasure, like it's okay. And there's things that you can do to build a deeper connection and that desire to feel that connection and confidence in your sexuality is, is normal. Of course we want that. Like you have sexual desires. Guess what? You're human. You're in a human body. Like, of course you're going to have those kinds of desires and fantasies and things that you're passionate about. And it's about really paving the way for people to explore that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that you're doing with your work and your platform. Yeah, absolutely. And also the other side of the coin, which is um, understanding your boundaries and knowing when to say no and feeling confident to say no and not cowering, thinking, what are they going to think of me? How is this going to translate later with my later relationships with other people? You know, what's my reputation going to be if I say no? How they're going to see me? Do you know what I mean? This I think this happened quite quite a lot, and um, just knowing where you can stand, like practicing your no, knowing how to say no, is such a valuable thing. Oh, so much, and it's something that's not commonly talked about when it comes to sex education and that foundation is to know what are your boundaries and why do you need to have those boundaries in place and how is that going to impact you? What that's going to feel like. So I think that's such an important piece to keep in mind is to recognize that boundaries are so important. Um, 
And I think it is that thing. I think if you look back on, I know I've definitely had experiences where I'm like, I don't really like this guy, but I'm already far enough along. Like we're already back at his place. And this is like, there's been alcohol involved. And so, okay, I'm just going to do it. But then how do you feel the next day? Not great. And I think, I think that's so common. At least I know I've coached a lot of women on this who today are like spiritually awake and enlightened beings and have incredible businesses and jobs and like show up with a lot of self-worth, but the area of sexuality and relationships is still a challenge for them. So they're still, you know, making choices where they're not confident in their yeses or they're not confident in their nos. And so they are making choices that are breaking those boundaries to themselves and then they don't feel great about it. And it's like, that's why I think sex is so related to every aspect of your life. So you can't really call in that abundance in your business or your own personal growth. If you're still making choices in this one area of your life of sexuality and relationships, that isn't honoring your highest self and honoring your highest worth. And so that's where getting super clear on your boundaries and what consent looks like and all of those pieces is really important. Yeah. And I'm totally understanding that you can change your mind at whatever point that you want, as long as you're always feeling comfortable. Well, and you should always be with somebody who's going to respect however you're feeling. Cause if somebody's going to pressure you and say, Oh, like you should be doing this anyways, that's not the kind of person you want to be sleeping with and sharing your sexuality with. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know with my, with my partner, if I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, this doesn't feel right. He's like, okay, of course. What do you need? Like, can I move you back instead? Like, like that kind of respect is exactly the foundation that we should have in any relationship, any sexual partnership and relationship. Totally. And you sound like you have an amazing partner. (laughs) Oh, he's, he's quite a special human. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So tell me about where let's dive into your platform, the fifth house. I love everything that it's about, but obviously my community has no idea. So tell us a little bit about, let's start off with the name because I super geek out about it. When I looked at your website, I was like, oh my God, I love her. She's totally my people. So tell us what the fifth house means and um, where that comes from. Sure. So the fifth house comes from um, astrology. Um, And the fifth house basically is the house that sits in pleasure, your childhood, playfulness, uh, anything that brings you joy and can expel your creativity. And that's exactly what I wanted um, for the fifth house, because obviously eroticism, playfulness, inner child, all of these things is exactly what what the fifth house is is about and honoring your creativity as well through art, literature, culture, dance, move, music, anything like that. So I know it sounds quite far away from the topic of sex, but what I really wanted to do with the fifth house is merge sex into popular culture and things that we surround ourselves with media you know anything external and immerse it into everything that we see and hear and and experience and smell and touch because that way we, we start to normalize the conversation around sex and it becomes our surrounding rather than that scary little thing that we tuck away under our bed or in a little black box so um 
I am a holistic sex educator with the background in psychology, as I mentioned before. Um, but I, what I noticed was that I kind of wanted to reach more people uh, than I was able to in just like a Zoom over a Zoom or um, or in a, not a class, but in a, in a class setting. Um, so I recently founded The Fifth House, which is a collaborative e-learning platform for sex positive and pleasure-based education. And uh, what it does is it allows users or um, people to access e-learning content and connect with the community that we would build, um, sexual health practitioners. So you'd be able to go onto the platform if, you're, if you have any issues or worries or concerns or just wanna share, um, then you'd be able to connect with a sexual health practitioner like a therapist, um, like a trauma therapist or a couples therapist or whatever it might be. Um, in order to further your erotic and sexual health journey. Yeah, so, it's, I love that. I think it's so powerful. And I love the way that you are looking at the expansion and immersion of popular culture and media. I think when we look at, and especially like your background as a model and like through experiencing what that journey looks like, sex is everywhere. It's all about how do you look sexy? How do you portray like the certain line on your shoulder or a curve or a sultry look? And sex is so everywhere we look, but nobody talks about it. So I love that you're bringing all of those pieces together to be able to say, it's already around you. We may as well just have a conversation about it to make it okay to have fun and not that like playful creativity that's what I love about the fifth house is it is that like childlike joy it is that playfulness that creativity in our sexual energy is our creative life force energy so when we're tapped in and connected to our sexual energy we're going to be more creative we're going to be more passionate in all areas of our life so I think that that immersion is really neat and the the way that you're bringing together photography and literature and all the different elements as well as the education so people can look at every entry point I guess is a great way to look at it into their journey exactly the the actual initial concept of the fifth house was to be really an editorial magazine concept um so that's why the photography and the, the visual aspect of it was so important. And it speaks volumes, like you were saying. And, and now, even in advertising these days, since the pandemic, I think people are trying to say, let's get back to our sexual selves and embracing each other again. And there's been campaigns by Suit Supply, which is a Dutch um, suit brand, Jacquemus, mm -hmm. uh, Diesel, they're all getting um, queer or non like um yeah queer and um homosexual couples to model their their clothes all different identities all different races um also suit supply did a very very sexual uh photo shoot where they they basically had two or three or four naked models all over each other uh and it was basically like just saying hello look at us sexuality is fine and they had like huge posters of campaigns of this on their walls uh, and I just thought that was incredible and I was so happy for that because because it really means that people are talking starting to talk about sex and if you if it's in your shop window and you just walk past it every day it just starts to become normal and you don't 
you're not scared to talk about it anymore because you might be walking with your grandma and it's just the most normal thing. Right. I think that's amazing. And I love the way that these big organizations, big brands can have such a forward facing, um, billboard essentially like of hi look at me look at this is something that we do need to normalize and talk about um i think it also shows the drastic com- contrast between the world of social media and i think that that's something as uh, a sexual wellness platform or sex educators that they really struggle with is to for those artists to be able to confidently display their artwork across platforms like Instagram and Facebook and being able to show the depth and the sensuality and the eroticism and just a naked body for being a naked body. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing that we should be shaming about that. And yet we still can't write the word sex when it comes to our Instagram posts. So yeah, I was, I was literally, um, literally having this conversation this chat the other day with a, with a girlfriend of mine who is also uh, in the sexual health um, field. And she made a post saying, this is amazing. Instagram is now putting pronouns as um, on your bio. And, oh. and I replied saying, oh, that is really great. But at the same time, we're not allowed to write the word sex. We have to write sex. Um, we can't post nipples still. Like all of our content gets taken down. I can't do paid paid for ads because of my content. And I'm sure you can't either. Most of us can't. Um, So we have no way to promote ourselves. Anything that we want to do gets taken down immediately. Mm -hmm. So there's still such a long way to go. Such a long way to go. But as you said, it's like if we can get bigger brands behind this and sharing more artwork on that level as you say it's like if you walk down the street and you walk past a shop window and you are seeing this type of information it is a way to normalize the conversation and to kind of have those conversations and I think it does it takes courage to start the conversation right like if I was walking down the shop store, if we were in like an outdoor mall and there was a very sexual ad, I think my mother would still be like, <gasps> like, like pull back yeah, and to be able sure. to say, say, mom, why are you responding in that way? Why does that right. make you feel that way? We have to have the courage to start having those conversations, um, right. to say, why does that shock you? And what's wrong with this? And the more that we can actually start the normalizing of those conversations instead of just like ignoring it and being like, Oh, well, that's your opinion over here. We need to start expanding because if we don't have the conversation, I think my mother still kind of like comes back every time. I'm like, yeah, I'm a sex and relationship therapist. And we're with people. She's like, Oh God, Oh God. (laughs) But I know she has great intentions to love me and support me. It just is a topic she'd rather not talk talk about yeah like most people honestly mm-hmm. the thing is for you and I and, and, and other sex educators it's literally like talk about the weather or what did you have for breakfast this morning and so you need <laughs> to remember that other people are not going to respond in the same way to you because we're quite desensitized to a lot of things yeah so even like I said in dinner party situations when you say the word sex immediately it's like a shock or great let's get into this because I never talk about this topic and it just takes that one 
thing to say that will open up Pandora's box. And then you realize how much people just want to get it out and talk about it because we don't talk about it with anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's such an important work that we have to do to be able to share that and talk about that. So when you look at some of the different art or photography that you're using, why do you think photography and art does have such an impact of conveying a message and an experience of the playfulness and eroticism and pleasure in general? Yeah, art is all around us, whether we think about it or not, whether we notice it or even think it's not art. And so just to be surrounded subconsciously having images, but nothing shocking, just erotic, beautiful, sensual, that makes you, that just makes you question and think a little bit further then we start questioning ourselves, then we start enjoying, we start allowing, accepting ourselves to be like, that is a beautiful picture or portrayal of a naked human body. Because we never, we never see naked bodies unless like we have a partner. Um, Or unless it's a high school in the showers, and even then everyone's like covering up, and they don't want to show. And we don't even look at our own genitals, you know, so to see it in, in art, it it allows us to, to ask, ask us questions. Um, and art is just such an important form of, of creativity and expression that we shouldn't cast it aside because it's not written word or, or, or um, visual, as in a video or something where people are speaking to us and telling us this is how you should interpret this. You get to interpret it the way you want to and take away whatever message you like. Yeah, and I think there is so much beautiful art that exists in the world of like erotic art or sensual art or art that is really depicting human bodies and sexual experiences. And what I love about it is it'll stir energy and emotions within you. And I think that's what the power is, is it connects you to that energy that exists within yourself. So that's, you know, some of the photos that you even have on your website or your Instagram page, it's like, you look at that and that's going to instantly stir an energy in you. It's going to connect you with that sexual energy that exists within you. So turn on curiosity, pleasure, playfulness, all of those things, you can start to feel the physical sensations in your body, whether it's your pussy starting to get wet or Mm -hmm. like a tingling across your skin in that like light flutter in your heartbeat or your breath changes, starting to notice those physical sensations is such a beautiful way to feel the energy of that art and feel the purpose behind it. And each person, as you said, gets to interpret it in their own ways. And so those sensations are going to be very different depending upon the person and what that is going to feel, but just being able to notice that as you're looking at art. So I would say for those listening, get curious, go start to go check out the fifth house and look at some of the, that art that's there and get curious about what is the stirring within me? What feelings or emotions do I have? Or what physical sensations are starting to show up for me so that you can start to dive deeper into your erotic journey and not be afraid to explore and look for more because it is a beautiful way of expressing 
who we are as human beings. As we said, it's our divine birthright to experience pleasure. It is a natural part of our human experience is to notice pleasure in all different ways. And sure, we can talk about experiencing pleasure by like feeling the sun on your face and drinking a delicious glass of wine or sticking your toes in the sand on a beach. Those are all beautiful, but let's really embrace that pleasure is this sexual thing that is natural and normal and something that every human should be able to experience. Yeah. And having said all of that, it can feel quite uncomfortable at the beginning because <clears throat> it's so taboo and you're, you're so conditioned to be, to turn away and, and not, and not look at such, such things, but fight through the uncomfortableness because that's when you get to really understand what I like and what I don't like. Um, this is what turns me on. Maybe this, I'm, I put it aside because maybe that's not for me or that, yeah, that's a new that I don't really like. I remember when I was, I think five or six years old, I was in Venezuela and South America and there were these big like life-size posters and there was one with a naked woman and her breasts. And I was just stood there for probably a good 10 minutes, totally aroused by the picture. And I couldn't understand why. And then two ladies came over and they saw me looking. They're like, oh, I know what she must like. And then I quickly flipped flip the, the posters away. Um, and then that, that's the kind of response that we get to erotic art, which is such a shame because it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is so beautiful. And I think, you know, and this is kind of a great segue for us to touch on is like our sexuality can be so fluid. We can be turned on by a lot of different things. And I think that that's one of one of the ways that you and I met was through Skirt Club. And Skirt Club is a beautiful community for bisexual, bi-curious women. And being able to create a safe space for people to explore that, where I think a lot of the women within Skirt Club have spent a lot of their life where they're, they don't feel comfortable exploring their turn on or eroticism with other women. And it's okay to be turned on by both men and women. And that's okay. Or whatever that eroticism is, is that can be so fluid and so beautiful. And just to create that space to explore without feeling shamed, without feeling judged by others and really making a safe space there. Yeah. Just don't question it too much. Feel what you're feeling and get excited by it. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about really tapping into that exploration and getting excited, what are some ways that you work with your clients to start that exploration of getting curious about what their eroticism is or the things that turn them on? That's a good question. So often I like to I like sensuality play. So I like to make sure that people understand touch and aren't afraid of touch, um, especially in a non-erotic way, because we tend to we tend to find that very uncomfortable if someone rests their arm on our shoulder or if somebody is like looking at us into our eyes for a little bit too long. And these are things that can really, really connect us. But um, but for some reason we're we're very hypersensitive to to touch, platonic touch as well as uh, essential touch. So I really like digging into exercises of just understand like starting by you know stroking a hand and then maybe asking for consent can I touch you your upper arm 
And then can it go into a hug and things like that? And then really just staying present in those moments uh, and enjoying that kind of touch, I really feel can bring, especially if it's a, it's a couple and a couple who's been been going out for a very long time or been together for a very long time, sometimes they forget to do these things. It's like, remember your like teen self almost, mm-hmm. try and get giddy again, get those butterflies feelings again. And yeah, it's just recognizing that really. Yeah, I love that. I think that is something that is so important is a just getting comfortable for yourself to be able to experience that. But also if you are in partnership or relationship to remember the importance of touch and how I love the, the like getting giddy again, that like, Ooh, that like kind of made me nervous. I like that. Like that, that part is so playful and so fun. And, um, it just means so much. And so I know we talk a lot about the five love languages, but even beyond if touch isn't one of your primary love languages, it's still an important part of your human experience and being able to get comfortable with it and get curious about different types of touch and different types of sensations is a beautiful way to start to explore all the pleasure that your body is capable of. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, another exercise I really realize how um, how beneficial it is is just taking the time to write down together um, as a couple or even as yourself because sometimes you don't even ask yourself these questions. What are your turn ons and what are your turn offs and what are in a third column you can put in what are things that you don't know if they're a turn on or turn off. Like you could put in there anal or you could put in squirting or you could put in being blindfolded or handcuffed because they're things that you might not have tried yet and you might want to. And then just taking a look and really thinking about what you've written down, really thinking about, does that really turn me on? Oh, I realize that that's what turns me off. I don't like it when there's like noise around me because it distracts me and I can't get off or you know, I don't like it when someone pulls my hair because it's too aggressive and could be triggering or something like that. And yeah. when you write it down, that's when you're able to communicate it with a partner and a lover, because then you know it for yourself. We can be in the bedroom and we can, we always tell people communicate when you're having sex, because then people like your partner will understand what you want. But then you, you can almost get to the point where your partner will say, so what do you want me to do to you? And if you don't know what you want done to you, how are you supposed to tell that to your partner? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's, we have to make the space to explore and, you know, we're recording this in May it's masturbation May. So like making that time to like get curious for yourself and explore different types of touch. And I love when we look at touch and connecting it to the different elements. So earth touch more like grounding solid touch air is like that Mm. light touch dancing across your skin water is more smooth strokes or fire is like that intensity of maybe spanking or scratching and when we can start to play with the different elements that we get to embody especially as women um, we can figure out all these different ways that we're turned on in different ways that we experience pleasure and to get curious and know for ourselves will then give us the ability to communicate. And I always like to have my clients create a safe space and like checking in on their conversations to talk about those different turn-ons. I love that. Like what turns me on, what doesn't turn me on, what are my maybes? 
but doing that when you're not in the bedroom and you're not about to get hot and heavy so that there's not the pressure there. I think exactly being able to yeah. say like, let's explore this. Let's have an intellectual, thoughtful, emotional, um, soulful conversation about this and then take it into the bedroom so that at least you've had that initial conversation so that you feel more comfortable. It feels more relaxed. It feels more safe to say, Hey, you remember we talked about maybe trying more of that fiery touch or something that's a little bit more intense. I'd really like to try that so that it gives that segue into your pleasurable experiences. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, I want to make sure we honor time because I know you've got a commitment after this. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And if there was anything that you wanted to leave, if there was one last thing to say before we close out, what would you have to say? Well, I just want to mention for anyone who might be listening um, and is interested in the fifth house, if anyone is a collaborator and wanting to already is in the sexual health or mental health wellness space, then you could be a photographer, content creator, artist, collaborator, um, anything, then we are always looking um, open for submissions and open for collaborations. And we'd love to be able to give you a platform to to really share your expertise and, and experiences. So please do get in touch. Yes, amazing. And we'll put all your contact info in the show notes. So please do jump over and follow and absolutely just go check out the fifth house. And as we said, like get curious about how these some of these photos and art that we she shares will make you feel. And um, we just are always here to support your sexual journey and your erotic journey in whatever way that looks like. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your time and your beautiful energy. So we hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me today. If you loved this episode, I deeply appreciate you subscribing and leaving a five-star review. Come join me online at soulsaturations.com or follow me on Instagram at soulsaturations. Feel free to slide into my DMs anytime and let me know what you love, what resonates, or any questions that you might have. And remember, only you can activate the light within.